0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't
2: fathom it.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
3: Yeah, across the world on the Internet and around the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and or translator. It is The Michael Dukes Show. Good morning. (laughs) <laughs> are you ready? Are you ready for a big day? Today is a big day. This is a packed show today. Um, in fact, we are going to be uh, <clears throat> diving down into it deep and long. Uh, we're starting off, of course, as we do every Tuesday in hour one. We're going to hit some headlines. i got a few things to talk about, a few thoughts on the election. Uh, this is what you would call shower thoughts, uh, but we're going to talk about that here. In uh, in just a moment, and in, in just a moment, and then we are going to dive into it with uh, Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, who's going to come in today and talk with us about a few things, including <clears throat> the you know who's a serious fiscal conservative, um, and uh, then uh, number two, where the K twelve funding debate is going to go and how it goes off track, and then finally the consequences of the failure of a con con. And if the CONCON fails, will some people argue that people just don't care about the PFD anymore? Because that could be one of the arguments, you know, if people don't, if we don't pass a CONCON, they could say, well, see, see, they don't, they don't care. They they don't care anymore about that. Oh, no. so Brad and I are going to talk about that here in our one this morning, and then we're going to dive into it uh, in our uh, two with a candidate, Brendan Carpenter, who's running for House District 27, uh, which is down in the uh, Mat thats the district currently being held by David Eastman—and um, we're going to talk with—we're uh, going to talk with him. We are now one week from Election Day. Uh, today is uh, seven days now before the countdown, and so you got some last-minute decisions to make, and. Uh, this might be one of those that you want to ask yourself about. It'll be interesting to see what the differences is. District twenty-seven currently um, only three uh, three candidates running for that office. All three of them Republicans. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what comes out of that. Um, and then finally, at the end of the show today, we're going to be joined by Chris Story, the man from Homer who's going to give us our weekly uplift and life coaching lesson and PMA boost and all that kind of stuff. So. All right. Um, well, Happy Discount Candy Day, as Rob says here in the chat room. Um, happy Discount Candy Day. Uh, that is the day after Halloween, and uh, they got real ambitious last night. My house is way off the beaten track, and we never get uh, trick or treaters. Last night we had trick or treaters. <clears throat> I mean, I literally had to turn the lights off on of the front porch because I was like, "Man, I don't have any candy." We've never, we've never, we've never had trick or treaters here, but they were running far and wide. Uh, they could have just gone out to the trunk or treat event that took place out at Big Lake. Um Mike Shower, Kevin McCabe put it on out there, and they uh they had a heck of a big uh they had a heck of a big time uh going on out there. Um and it was uh they participated in that big annual tradition that the Big Lakes Lions Club puts on uh, out there. So anyway, uh some <laughs> See, I guess today is the day. If you really like them big uh Multi bags of candy. I mean, candy's expensive. My wife said, "Yeah, she did buy one bag of candy. It wasn't for trick or treaters. It was for uh, the you know six people living in my house." Um, but uh, and she was like, "Yeah, this is like twenty three dollars or something." It was. <clears throat> this was an expensive Halloween for some of you. I can tell you that for nothing. Um. Anyway, uh, what are some of the headlines that I want to talk about today? Um, Well, first and foremost, the Kenai Peninsula borough has now set a date for the special election for borough mayor. And yes, yes, Virginia, it is on Valentine's Day. How much love can you show? What a hot date, man. What a hot date for Valentine's Day. I uh, love you, honey. Here's some red roses and some chocolate. Now let's go down and vote for the special election for borough mayor, shall we? <laughs> I mean, okay. Uh, of course, that vacancy came when Charlie Pierce resigned. And the person who wins this special election on Valentine's Day is going to fill out the remainder of Pierce's term. Uh, Mike Navarre apparently is uh, in the hot, in the catbird seat for the short term. But um, in just, what is it, one, two, three, I guess three months now, there'll be uh, that, that, that big date on Valentine's Day. Now, of course, everybody's hearing, and even Suzanne Downing mentioned it in her piece this morning, that uh, Senator Peter Machicke, the Honorable Senator Peter Machicchi, uh may file for that seat. And uh, that was kind of the point all along. Uh, for him not running again is kind of what I heard. It was even before Charlie had decided to resign. Um, but <laughs> we'll see what's going on. I mean, can you imagine a Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day voting? Valentine's Day voting. Mm, man, that is a match made in heaven right there, right? That is a match made in heaven. I mentioned this yesterday, <clears throat> but I mean, I was just kind of so... Uh, I mean, I was just kind of, you know, shaking my head over this. I received this email uh, when it was put out. Um, uh, it was an email um, uh, that basically uh, talked about this new uh, this new uh, um, ethics complaint. That's what I was looking for. I was looking for words, Dukes. Use your words. Uh, it was an ethics complaint that uh, – that popped out, uh, for representative Sarah Vance and, uh, it, and the ethics complaint was that she dared, I was just look. I was actually looking for the actual letter so that I could read parts of it to you here. Um, and, uh, I just hold on a second here. I wanted to get, I wanted to make sure that I had the letter up here in front of me. Is it, is it, can I find it real quick? No, I can't. Dog on it. Okay. Anyway, the story is up on Must Read. She's got she's got a big chunk of it, but I surprisingly I got the I got the letter that came out of the I don't know. I was on somebody's mailing list as a, as a media outlet count or something. I don't know. Anyway, a complaint was filed in uh, by an anonymous man in uh, Sarah Vance's district, and the complaint uh, was sent to the legislative's ethics committee. And that said, that Sarah Vance said in her campaign ads that she would defend Alaskans' God-given constitutional rights. Now, uh, okay, I mean that doesn't seem. Now they filed it on the uh, on basically on the long-held separation of church and state in the Fourteenth Amendment. Now, ironically, that's not what the Fourteenth Amendment says. Uh, the church and state thing is was on a letter to Jefferson. The blah blah blah. I mean, we could go into the whole thing on that, right? But basically, the complaint filer said that <clears throat> she promised uh, that what she promised in protecting people's God given constitutional rights violates the constitutional freedom from religion. And uh, here's the irony of this whole situation: the legislative ethics committee, um has no standing, has no jurisdiction regarding potential issues of constitutional violations. Nowhere in the ad uh, or the complaint itself, it does not allege that the use of any state resources by the representative as part of or in the allegation. So there's no saying, I'm going to use state resources to fight for your God-given rights. I'm going to stay. there's no allegation involving the use of state resources, which immediately the state, you know, the the legislative uh, ethics committee is like, well, we can't, that has nothing to do with us. So this is a new form of political warfare. Um, We talked a little bit about this when we were reviewing some of the stuff from Sarah Palin here earlier this week. Or earlier last week when we were talking about that's how she, you know, that's that's what really forced her out of office was these never-ending ethics complaints that were being filed against her personally by Andy, Mc, uh, Andy McDowell and a bunch of other people. Like every week it was a new legislative or it was a new ethics complaint, which you have to respond to. And you have to have an attorney and you have to do all this other kind of stuff. It This is just a modification of that type of warfare that we're talking about. Uh, This is a new form of campaign harassment, says Downing, um, where you can file an anonymous complaint in the Legislative Ethics Committee completely bypassing APOC, right? APOC doesn't have – you don't have to declare any efforts uh, in doing this. You can do it anonymously as a private citizen um, and basically tie up state resources and take the candidate's attention away from the race. That's what this is about. I mean, how many times has every president, regardless of political party, said, God bless America, you know, or God bless the United States at the end of the thing that you don't see them filing an ethics complaint at the federal level for that? I mean, it's this is just more shenanigans, more shenanigans. And, of course, what I love about this whole thing is the anonymity of it. That's the most irritating part of the whole thing. Um. So there's that. Let me get down to the final thoughts here uh, before we go talk to Brad Keithley. This is my kind of my shower thoughts. I was I was actually laying in bed thinking about this uh, as I was going to sleep last night. The polling numbers for the governor's race have come out. The latest polling number shows that Dunleavy is at 47, that Garrett is at 25, Walker is at 23, and Pierce is at 5%. Now, there's a 3% margin of error. Now, you add all that stuff up. And it looks like Guerra and Walker could edge out Dunleavy as he stands alone. But Pierce has got that 5%, which would push Dunleavy over the top. Here's the danger. The danger is in bullet voters with ranked choice voting. Uh, That means bullet voters are people who vote for one and done. They don't vote for anybody else. So I don't care who you're supporting for governor. If you're supporting Dunleavy or you're supporting Pierce, you need to make sure that you mark the other one. As your second choice, if you mark a bullet vote, if you mark one and done, if you vote for Dunleavy or if you only vote for Pierce or whatever, the chances are that the Walker Guerra crowd, because they've already, they're kumbaya. Remember, they're all together now. They are going to vote for each other one and two and two and one, one and two, one and two. And so whoever receives the fewest votes, there will be three rounds of counting here. Charlie Pierce will probably be eliminated in the first round. And then the second round, it will they will be either eliminated uh, Guerra or Walker. Probably Walker will probably be eliminated in the second round. And then it'll be a head-to-head between Dunleavy and Guerra. You've got to make sure that if you do vote for Charlie as number one, which many of us are choosing to do so, then you've got to make sure that you rank Dunleavy as second. Or, you know, because that vote has got to go there. Otherwise, all of Walker's votes could come up, and it's basically, right now, it's pretty close, neck and neck, 47 to 48. Dunleavy, 47. Combined walker Guerra is 48. So we have got to pay close attention to who we're voting for, not just do the one and done. Not just do the one and done. And for God's sake, don't rank either one of the Democrat or the Independent. Do not rank Guerra or do not rank Walker. Leave those votes lie. Leave them to die. The votes to die, not the people. That was, you know, you know what I mean. So it's very important, and this applies to almost every race out there. We cannot vote a single vote in this ranked choice voting thing. It may not be the game we want to play, but we need to play by the rules if we want to win. That's enough said for today. All right, The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We've got more coming up, including Brad Keithley. That's all directly ahead. We're going to return here in just a moment. Uh, Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more right after this.
0: Is that? Regularly heard on American radio.
3: Oh, I suppose that I probably should send Brad the, uh, I probably should send Brad the link to today's show. That's what I forgot. Do. I forgot to. Do. Sorry, Brad. Sorry, Brad. I know that I forgot something. Um, all right. There we go. Brad's just probably been waiting in the wings, waiting for me to do my thing here. Um, okay. Um, the bots found us. Uh-oh. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Let me, boom. Let me fix that right there. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. Okay. I think I did that. I think I blocked and reported everybody that needed to be blocked and reported. So what happens when I'm not watching the? Uh, <laughs> when I'm not watching the chat room immediately. All right, uh, Brad Keithley uh, is joining us. Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He uh, is. Uh, I see he's in the. I see, he's in the chat room or in the green room right now, uh, doing his thing. Uh, I also see Brendan Carpenter is on. He's our guest at 7.05 um but i see he has joined the stream um and is in the green room as well we might uh, be checking it out yeah brad's over there just he was sorry he was busy combing his hair uh getting things ready
2: <laughs>
3: i just thought you were trying to send me a message uh, yeah i'm sorry brad i'm done with you just get the off with you off with you no i just i forgot man it's like a million things going on in my brain here in the mornings
2: here uh you all um, you all ready to rock and roll this morning I am and now that I've got my voting instruction. I I I think I can. Well, I think I could follow it. You you said you were done for, but you're done for today. You're going to repeat it tomorrow and <laughs> the next day. And the I'm going to have to repeat
3: it, aren't I? I mean, I really I am mean, because I, I was thinking about it last night. It wasn't as close before. It was like fifty one percent. Dunleavy in the previous Dittman poll, I think it was, he was over 50%. And so it was a pretty much thing. And, you know, you expect things to tighten up as more and more people make a decision coming up into election day. Um, But this was, I was just laying there last night thinking, boy, wouldn't it be just a shame if people voted, they were so hacked off at Dunleavy that they just voted for Charlie and that was it. And it was by, it was by one point or something. I mean, this is going to be in a four way with the three rounds. This is going to be a tight deal.
2: Yeah. And frankly, Michael, this may show where the, the importance of Charlie making the fourth spot as opposed to Kirk making the fourth spot, uh, yeah. Kirk's voters were much more likely to bullet, I think are much more likely to bullet vote. Uh, Charlie's voters are much less like, or much more likely to to go down the ballot and, and rank. And so, um, I mean, that that issue, which we talked about a lot at the time of the primary, uh, I think uh, is showing its uh, importance now.
3: Yeah. No, I I I think that it is definitely an important thought. You've got to think about it. What what did what I'm sorry? I was just scrolling through the you know how I am. I was scrolling through the chats and Harold said, I thought this was supposed to be an apolitical show. Buddy, where have you been? I mean, where where have you been this entire? I've been doing this for twenty. When at what point did anybody ever say that this was apolitical? I am definitely political. Uh, michael. Uh, yeah. michael, you are you're feeding the trolls. I know, again. I know. Shh, don't feed the trolls. <laughs> um, I just sometimes I'm liking sometimes it says the most outrageous things just to be like, what? It, to, uh, to get on the air, Yeah, to, to, to get to, exactly to be to exactly, be a troll exactly. I just like, okay, um, all right. <clears throat> Um, so we're ready to take off and talk about all these things uh here this morning, including uh wow so I mean the the whole serious fiscal conservative thing I mean i i'm I'm ready to talk about this and jump into it um but we're <clears throat> we gotta get we gotta get going all right so I'm gonna put you back in the green room for a second here, Brad just cause <laughs> okay I gotta read the rest of these I'm way behind on all I have no <laughs> idea what anybody has said this morning, and I only got forty seconds here to figure this out. Um, I see Brendan is in there. Uh, Brendan, you have to enable your camera. Uh, I could see you're in there, but I can't see your face. Hey, I see something's coming up. Um, all right. I uh, thought you wanted to change the players. Of course I want to change the players. Um, um, Jim, it's called lawfare. Jim talked about the all the, all the uh, ethics complaints. It's called lawfare. It's warfare. I mean, that's for sure. Uh, Alright, well apparently I'm not going to get to all the things I'm not going to get to all the things Here we go, the Michael Duke Show Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thicket Radio Brad Keithley, our guest Let's get to it and get her done Hey, fights on. Uh, you ready? We're gonna uh, we're gonna dig into this. That was just, uh, you know, you're that that bell just means that by the time this thing's over, you're gonna be a little punchy. You're gonna be a little punchy. One too many hits from the head from Brad Keithley, who is gonna come in and straighten. He's gonna straighten you all out, man. Straighten it all out. Uh, good morning, Brad. How are you doing this morning?
2: Michael, I'm doing great today. How about you?
3: You know, uh, no complaints. No complaints whatsoever. Um, all right. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I If you want to comment on my little uh, shower thought there on the way out the door, uh, you can, um, because I think that that's important. We're going to have to repeat that pretty much every day between now and Election Day to remind people that, you know, again— you may not like the game, but you have to play by the rules if you want to win. I don't like ranked choice voting, but it's here, it's in the system, and we've got to utilize it and 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 work the system if we want to win, to change the players or to at least protect our position on some of this stuff.
2: Well, because everybody else is, is playing the system, right? I mean, yeah. we've seen the we've seen the ad from from Heidi and from uh, uh, oh, Les's running mate, yeah, Jessica and- Cook and Heidi Dragus, yeah. We're, and, we're know, in rank this us, together, rank us One and Two. Yeah, well, and and so and so, if you don't play the game, if you don't if you don't engage in what uh, rank choice voting sets up, uh, and you bullet vote, then you're you're letting others who know the rules and, and are playing the game win. So well, it's it's it, it, it's not it's not that you're doing something. It's not that you're doing something you shouldn't. You're doing something that the rules encourage you. to. Right.
3: Well, when Dr. Fred Van Benicom came on the program to describe ranked choice voting and explain it to us, he's an expert from the Great uh, Great Book Institute that we had before. And he said that there are places down the lower 48 who have utilized ranked choice voting and candidates did come together and like in threes and fours and said, rank all of us together. Choose one to four. You know, if if Sarah Palin and Nick Begich had done the same kumbaya thing that Jessica Cook and Heidi Dragas just did and said, vote me for number one or vote me for number one and vote me for number two and me for number two and just don't rank the just don't rank the blue. Mary Peltola would not be in office. Instead, they got into open warfare out there and started just shooting the crap out of each other. and, And that's how we got where we're at. I mean, again, you may not like it. But use the system that you're in right now to make the best of
2: it. You know, yeah. adapt or die is the is the old phraseology. Adapt or die. And that, that's that's exactly right. And that's and 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 that's a great example. Peltola or uh, uh, Palin and Begich is a great example of what happens if uh, if if the Republicans, if the Dunleavy and 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 Charlie supporters don't. You know, play the game as well. Yeah, gonna end up we're going to end up in the same place.
3: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so let's get into number one. Sorry, I didn't mean to, uh, didn't mean to uh, uh, jump into this. But number one, and you got some good topics today. I really want to get into it. So first, we're going to talk about serious fiscal conservatives. There are some out there, and there are some who are not so serious about uh, being fiscal conservatives. If especially those that are opening up a big piggy bank, let's talk about that.
2: So I'm going to focus on Doug Massey because Doug Massey is making this case. He's running against Shower for the for the Senate seat up in the valley. Massey's making the case that he's a strong fiscal conservative because he, you know, favors reigning in spending and uh, and and uh, uh, a spending cap, and, and that's going that's gonna solve, solve our problems. Here's the problem with that. Uh we're not gonna get a spending cap. I mean, I unless unless the Constitutional Convention passes, we're not gonna get a spending cap. Um, and even with, even if the constitutional convention passes, I'm not sure we're going to get a spending cap. What really, so what really matters is not so much what you say you are, but, but the positions you take and the problem with Massey and the problem with others who are running around saying, I'm a strong fiscal conservative because I believe in reigning in spending. They're not, they're not walking the talk. Um, if you, if you say that I'm for a reasonable PFD, which is exactly what Doug Massey's saying and exactly what Will Stapp and others uh, on the Republican side are saying. I'm a fiscal conservative. I'm going to rein in spending, but I'm for a reasonable PFD. What a reasonable PFD means is you're for opening up the PFD to use it to fund government just a little bit maybe. But the problem is it will never be a little bit. Let's go back to 2012 um, and the CBR and the SBR. We have a we have a budget problem we have these we have these savings accounts and people say okay we're just going to use the savings accounts to get us over one year and then we're going to rein in spending or we're going to use that we're going to use the, the the budget accounts uh, we're going to use the savings accounts for a couple of years while oil prices are down and then you know oil prices will pop back up and all will be good again. The problem is over the entire decade we kept draining those savings down. Things never got better. We never reined in spending Oil prices never came back to the point that that they could that they were sufficient to balance the budget on their own. Right. And the and the and the and the spending accounts kept going down and down and down and down. CBR is, or Sbr is effectively gone, and the cbr is near gone uh, now. Uh, over the, over that over the course of the decade, it structure matters. You can't be a fiscal conservative unless you also believe in structure, unless you also believe in budget structure in a way that effectively stops savings. And if you crack open the PFD, the PFD is roughly what, another $1.9 billion, and we've already cracked into it uh, by, by by quite a bit, $300 million this fiscal year, a lot more in prior fiscal years. As you crack into it, you're just, you, 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 there's not a stopping point once you go down that road. And so you're just adding more and more revenue by allowing the PFD to be the, the, the leftover allowing it to be the reasonable amount left over after you've spent on everything else. You're just allowing the the spending to go on and on and on. That's not a fiscal conservative. (laughs) A fiscal conservative believes in structure, believes in fiscal structures that prevent additional spending. Hammond, Hammond was a fiscal conservative. He believed in using an income tax as a structure. As, as having it as a sort of Damocles over the legislature's head, you want right. more spending, right? Then you've got to raise it. Then you got to raise it through an income tax. And his belief was that the legislature would never do that because uh, the 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 pushback or the the, the consequence of voting for uh, uh, an income tax would be would be too much. It's it, if we cut into the PFD as we we've already cut into the PFD, but if we elect people who say conservatives, especially. If we elect so-called conservatives who say, I'm for a reasonable PFD, you're just continuing to open that door on and on and on. The next time we'll have this conversation about a stopping point is roughly 2030, 2031, 2032, when the PFD is all gone, when the reasonable PFD um, is down to zero. Now, I know that Doug Massey and I know that Will Staff and I know that others will say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to stop it before it gets there. Right. Well, I heard the same people say that back in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015. I can go through the entire decade, and I can probably give you names from memory of of the people who were saying it. (laughs) Right. But it's just, you've got to be be a strong fiscal conservative, to be a, a true fiscal conservative, you've got to believe putting in place structures that prevent the spending. And I know people will say, "Well, I believe in a spending cap, so that's a structure." Well, you've got to believe in realistic structures <laughs> that 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 stop spending. You can't you can't buy yourself off like Will Staff's trying to do up in up in Fairbanks. You can't buy yourself into redemption by saying, "Well, I believe in structures that aren't going to happen." I mean, I I right. believe in things I, I believe in things stopping points uh, that will that will never be uh, enacted. Well, you this- you got, got to have you got to have stopping points that that are realistic.
3: Well, and I think, again, that is, again, we're seeing that in certain candidates, uh, Massey and staff come to mind for sure because they are so vacillating on the PFD and saying, well, a PFD we can afford or a sustainable PFD or which all translates to we're going to spend that money uh, no matter what uh, because we believe it's better for government than anything else. And that's the difference between a true fiscal conservative and kind of that lukewarm um,
2: conservative when uh, when it comes to fiscal matters yeah, I don't I don't even I, I truly don't even think. I mean, there's no difference on this issue between Doug Massey um, uh, and 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 uh, Les Guerra and uh, uh, other Democrats. Uh, there's no there's no difference and, and, and Kathy Geisel. There's just no difference between he and him and the Democrats on this issue. They're all saying reasonable PFD. Now, now Massey will tell you or, or Steph will tell you tell you. Yeah, but my definition of a reasonable PFD is bigger than their... It's not. It's not. Right. Once you get the lobbyists down there, once you get the, the Juno process going, people will push that spending envelope more. And we saw it in the 2010s. I mean, I there there is no better example. I don't have to go to another state. I don't have to go to another time period. All I have to do is look at the last decade and see what happens. It's for the children, or it's we need these roads, or we need this port, or we need... We need a strong university or we need this or we need that or we need something else. And and there's always a game and there's always a reason and there's always a push. And if the money's there, particularly if the top 20 percent don't have to pay for it, particularly if you're using if your PFD cuts, if the money's there, there's not going to be a stopping point. Right, right. So so you've got so you don't have you, you. You can't. I mean, Doug Massey legitimately can't claim, can't legitimately claim to be a fiscal conservative. When his position is exactly the same as as Matt Clayman's, uh, Les Garris, anybody else's. I mean, it's just th- there is no stopping point, and 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 you've got to if you don't have a campaign, if your campaign is platform is not set on a structure, a realistic structure that stops revenues, stops spending. Like taxes, or like, or like, you know, a, a constitutionalized PFD, or just no, no cuts to the PFD. If it's not set on some sort of structure, then then you're not really a fiscal conservative. You're just a, you're, you know, I have a friend uh, uh, in, in my business career who used to talk about round heels, and what he meant by that were, were business people who would always just sort of rock back and say, "Okay, well, you can spend that little bit more and spend that little bit more." Yeah, and 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 by the and by the time you got to the to the end of the day, but. <laughs> By the time you got to the end of the PL, yet you, you were in a loss. You had, you had right. showing. Up.
3: How did that how did that happen? I mean, where did that come I mean, whoa, how did we get here exactly? Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. Uh, we're talking about uh, the weekly top three. This is number one, true social conservatives. Um, Brad, uh, is fiscal, that? Fiscal. Uh, I'm true sorry, fiscal true fiscal, fiscal conservatives. conservatives. I'm sorry. Brad, is that about wrap that for this one? I mean, we, this, is, this is the yardstick we should be looking at people over. And this is why we ask the question about the PFD every time. You know, do you support the full statutory formula instead of, um, sustainable or reasonable or, you know, partial or whatever, other words that they're going to use. Anything else, Brad, final thoughts on this one?
2: Well, I'll give it to Dunleavy. I mean, I, I, Dunleavy believes in the structure. It's a 50, 50 PFD. It's a cut of about $800 million from the statutory PFD averaged over the next decade, but at least he believes in the structure, a, a 50, 50 PFD, cutting it off at a, at a 50, 50, uh, PFD. I, you can't, I, I can't find where Doug Massey and and the others uh, are talking about any sort of cutoff. It's just we're going to see one experience of round heels after another until just like in the in in the last decade uh, when the CBR and the SBR disappeared. We're going to see it uh, in this decade as the PFD disappears. So don't don't believe, you know, these self-serving claims that I'm a fiscal conservative if they don't have (laughs) a realistic structure in place uh, to deal with it. Brad
3: Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, number two uh, on the list of today is, of course, the K twelve funding debate. We know that's been a big campaign issue. It's my pet peeve, the whole BSA BS, um, and everything else. Uh, but where does it go off track? Give us a teaser here before we take a break.
2: I had an I had an extended exchange with a with a big proponent of uh, of K through twelve, increasing K through twelve spending, increasing uh, the BSA. And there was one part of that discussion that uh, that really highlighted to me where this whole issue comes down. Uh, it, it's a, to some degree, it's they would put it as a matter of priority. Uh, to me, uh, it's again a matter of structure. So I, I think I think it helps identify. I, I think it helps sort of make clear uh, what the uh, what the K, K through twelve uh, debate uh, is is becoming about.
3: All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We are going to take a brief pause and as soon as I get my – there we go. We're going to take a brief pause and we're going to come back here in just a second. Nothing was cooperating there for a second. Uh, all right, we're going to be back with Brad Keithley and more of the weekly top three, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. Now you're cooking with gas. The Michael Duke Show. All right. Um, So we're back in the chat room here. I see Brendan. Brad, I'm going to have to ask you to hold on for just a second. There are a couple things in the chat room. I see Brendan is still in the green room, but he still has no video. So let me jump over to Brendan real quick. I see he's got audio, but no video. Uh, Are you with us, Brendan? Can you hear me? Mm, he's got his microphone on, but he's having a hard time. I see he's having a hard time. Um, Brendan, this works on any smartphone, laptop or tablet or PC or anything else. Just turn your turn your camera on and you'll be good to go. Uh, I see your camera icon now and so um, you should be good to go here in just a minute. Um, i'll uh, I'll let you I'll let you mess around with that here. As you go through. If it gets too frustrating, we'll just do it by a phone. We'll just do it by a phone, by a phone. That's how it works. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Let me go back through some of the comments here. Uh, Brad? What? Uh, okay. Uh, what? Willie Keppel. This is exactly why I just had that whole rant earlier on about the bullet point voting, Willie. Willie says, Brad, quit dodging. You apparently can't stand Dunleavy, so why are you backing? Um... I think is because he doesn't want Les Guerra or or Bill Walker in office. Uh, Brad, you want to respond to that? Oh, I'm voting for Charlie first and and Dunleavy second. Yeah, no, I mean that's exactly where I'm at. I'm not happy with Dunleavy, but uh, he's going to get my second place vote because I don't want Bill Walker or Les Guerra as governor. That's why. Um, I, I, I that's that's my question. Um, uh, let's see what else is going on. Um. Uh, thank God for Alaska mental health. Um, uh, go through all Massey. Uh, David says Massey said this was a very sore subject for him. He gave a hot response on his op-ed to Carol Carmen's article last month. Yeah, he's very sensitive to it because he knows it is the Achilles heel of his entire campaign pitch. He knows it is. It's why they never responded to this program. I reached out to them two or three times. I actually spoke to somebody after I complained about not getting a response. Somebody from his campaign emailed me and said, which email did you send it to? And I listed the emails that I sent it to, and they said, thanks, we'll get back to you. Crickets. I mean, just not – he doesn't want to come on and ask those questions. He doesn't want to answer those questions at all. Um. David said reasonable PFD. Yeah, I mean that's the new that's the new thing is the reasonable PFD. Um, exactly. Um, I guess that's all the that's all the comments here uh, in that. Uh, you know, some of these we're probably just gonna be stuck with. I mean, the Will Stapp thing, it's probably gonna happen. Now the question is, does he get subsumed by the pod people once he gets down there? The Kathy Giesels, John Coghills, uh, you know, Bryce Edgmans, and 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 Bert Steadmans of the world. Or does he stand strong uh, for his constituency? Mm, I don't know. It remains to be seen. I guess we'll put it that way, Brad. Well, that's he's a Steve Thompson successor, right? I mean, so that's Steve a hard Thompson. district anyway. I mean that that's what that district is. That district is producing Steve Thompsons and Bart Lebonds. That's what it's producing.
2: Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a it's a, a top twenty percent district. It's it's sort of like the district that uh, that uh, that Geisel's in. Um, you know, they they it's it's the one that produces people who say don't tax me to pay a pfd when in fact that's not that's not what's going on we had a whole segment on that last week but it's it's a top 20% district that you know their priority is avoid their priority is avoiding paying for government even if government grows even if the consequences is government grows as long as they don't have to pay for it they're fine with it um it they would like to be able to direct, to direct the spending, the government growth, in the direction that they like. Uh, I think Will's deal is infrastructure, but it's but but that's the, that's that's where that segment sets. Right. Don't don't make me pay for it. You can spend whatever you want. <laughs> Just don't make me pay for it. And as right. long as you don't make me pay for it, go at it.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um,
2: so I mean that was Steve, and it, to some degree it's Bart. So
3: yeah, no, but I mean that's again that's the difficulty because that's what that district produces. The districts but, are are very much kind of a purplish color. They're a deep red plum. That's what they are right there.
2: But here's the deal. Let's not turn a valley district a valley district into that. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not replace shower, who is a strong, is a strong fiscal conservative with somebody like Massey, who's just a, you know, one of those Fairbanks got to go. Here we go.
3: No, I had the wrong timer on. So uh, that's fine. Don't, don't, hey, don't sweat the small stuff, Brad. That's, that's what we're all about here. I just looked up and realized that I had the wrong timer on. Uh, okay. Uh, so we still have about 45 seconds, but that's exactly it. Uh, you know, th- this is what we're going to get in these districts. And if we can incrementally bring it back more towards a true, sound fiscal conservative, we'll do well. Um, and I think Will is young enough that maybe he can you know be be persuaded in that regard go ahead quickly
2: well well let's just not lose any more i mean let's not let's not steve thompson's district okay well let's just not lose let's not lose showers district
3: okay got it yeah and i agree with that definitely and i think massey i think he's gotten a lot of heat over this so we can continue this here in a second here we go Okay, uh, continuing on, Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're into the number two slot for the weekly top three, and that, of course, is where this uh, whole K-12 through 12 funding debate goes completely off the rails. Brad was having a conversation with somebody about this, and uh, he wanted to discuss it this morning on the weekly top three. Brad, go ahead.
2: So, so... In this conversation, the person said, you know, we need to expand K through 12 spending and, and we need to expand the BSA and we need to do all sorts of other bells and whistles. My response to that when I get into a conversation like that is, OK, who pays? Uh, because sometimes it will sober people up and then, oh, we have to pay for it. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. Who is going to pay? And, and when they say, well, we'll just have to cut the PFD a little bit further. OK, so you want lower and middle income Alaska families to pay for increased K through 12 spending and let the the top 20% to get off scot-free. Do they not go to schools? Do they not share in the benefits? I mean, a a lot of top 20% businessmen tell us that, uh, that expanding K through or increasing K through 12 spending is important. So it must be important to them, but you don't want them to pay for it. Well, yeah, I I guess, I I guess I, you know, I want some, I guess I want uh, something else to pay. I don't know what, but we must have increased BSA. And, and here was the, here was the point we finally got to. Um, I went through all the other. Do you want oil companies increase? I mean, two years ago, Alaskans turned that down 58 to, to 42. So that's not going to happen. Uh, do you want an income tax? Look, people say that uh, an income tax isn't going to happen. Sales tax isn't going to happen. So who's going to pay for, for this? Well, the, the response is whatever it takes, whatever it takes. It's a it's a priority. And whatever it takes, if it takes PFD cuts, if it takes all whatever it takes, we, we need to we need to spend on it. The, the and that to me is the core of the problem. What we don't we don't have, we don't have people who took accounting courses out there in the world. We don't have people <laughs> who understand that when you add something to the left hand column, you've got to add something to the right-hand right hand column. you Add something to the right. spending column. You got to add something to the to the to the revenue column. And 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 what you add to the revenue column makes a huge world of difference. If you add it by by additional PFD cuts, then you're taking it out of middle and lower income Alaska families. The top twenty percent are, are skating by. If you say you're going to take it out of oil companies like Les Garrett does, it's not true. I mean, look at the look at the vote that we had um, uh, two years ago in in Proposition One. If you say you're going to take it out of uh, out of income taxes, yep, yeah, show me where the where the support's going to be uh, for that. So it's the the whatever it takes crowd uh is is the problem they're they, they they just live in the left-hand column they just live in the spending column and just completely ignore the the right-hand column as if it you know as if it doesn't matter doesn't exist has no real world consequences nobody has to lose money uh, just you know fairies are going to come up with the additional money to, to to pay for what they whatever they want in these conversations that we have with people it's important to talk about the left hand and the the left hand column and the right hand column at the same time with equal importance. Yep. And 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 it begins to sober people up, I think, when you when you have that conversation and and say who's going to pay. I mean, in this case, in this case a big part of the pitch for K through 12 increased K through 12 spending was, well, it's important to you know, it's important to get kids ready for jobs and it's important to get kids ready for uh, the community. It's important to you know to 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 develop them educationally, develop them mentally, develop them uh, 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 behaviorally. Uh, to to have that additional school. Okay, so you want to make their lives better by making their parents and their family life worse. By taking money out of middle and lower income, all these kids you want to help, right? You want you want them to pay for it. Well, you and you're, you want the, you I, want the top twenty twa- top twenty percent to skate, and not just it, the, not just the
3: not just the adults. The children are all being taxed. Every one of those children are being taxed at a tremendous rate with a PFD taking. That's something we all forget.
2: Yep, yeah. and 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 so it's I, by the end of the conversation, we were sort of getting toward the same place which is well yeah and i need to think about who pays at the same time as i think about how much but it, it but it the, the the whatever it takes mentality is is what's really is is what's really causing the problem here people are not looking at the right hand column uh when uh, when they talk about these things and that's i mean that's where you get that's where you get the rolling heel or the 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 round heels right uh that's where you get people saying well yeah you're right oh my gosh yeah got to spend it on this because, you know, the business people that the the chamber of commerce says we need, you know, we need need more K twelve spending. We need to bolster the schools. Okay, well, I guess I got to do that. Who's going to pay for it? Right. And 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 well, I don't want I don't want middle and lower income Alaska families to suffer. Well, boy, you know, I've got to, I've got to sort of mesh these two together. If they don't think about the right hand column, if they just ignore the right hand column. They never mesh the two together. They have round heels and we just keep spending and spending and spending. So when you have these, I guess my, I guess my response or I guess my, my plea here is when you have these conversations with people on air, or when you have these conversations with people in your life, ask the question who pays great. Yeah. You want to yeah. spend more terrific. Who pays well and, 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 and tell me why it's fair that, that you're tar- tell me why it's realistic what you're saying. And tell me why it's fair you're targeting that group. Well, and,
3: and again, you're again saying, assuming that, okay, you want to spend more, that's great. My question is, and I agree with you, I agree with it, that the who pays should always be part of the argument. But the question should be, do we need to spend more on education? We're already spending three times what most people are spending on education, and we're getting the worst results ever. I mean, there's a
2: whole argument here about what we're spending on education to begin with. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all, Michael, but it has to be all Alaskans that are engaged in that conversation. And right now we've got a fiscal structure that enables the top 20% to avoid that, yeah. that, that conversation. Yeah. They don't, they don't have to be part of it because they're not paying using PFD cuts, they're not paying. So to me, we need, we need to get who pays right. We need, we need to get a, a function that says all Alaskans pay. And then, and then it's going to be magical. I mean, to some degree. You're even going to hear Natasha push back and say, well, wait, I don't want to spend on that. I mean, if you're going to take money out of my pocket, I don't <laughs> want to spend on that. Or Geisel, if, if you're I don't want to, I don't want to pay for that out of my pocket. You know, as long as I can push it down to middle and lower income Alaska families, it's fine. Yeah, we need to do that. Right. But but if I have to pay for it, it's something else. Uh, it is my I and my constituents who vote for me or who may not vote for me. Um, if they have to pay for it, uh, uh, that's something else entirely. So you're you're absolutely right. We need to have the discussion of whether we ought to be paying for it. But until we can, until every Alaska family is engaged in that discussion, until the top 20% have a stake in pushing back in that conversation and are part of that conversation, frankly, the other 80% is going to lose. Yeah. Because because the top 20% is the donor class. They're the ones that that you know are going to are going to be the 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 ones that actually you know cause the conversation to to push back so yeah you're absolutely right we need to talk about whether there's additional paying but but we need to get everybody engaged well, in that conversation it, before we're going to have success. And
3: this applies not just to education. Any program, any project, any pet thing, it should always be who pays. That should be the first question. Okay, great. Who pays? That that's a I think that's a fantastic yardstick to use. We're down to the last three and a half, four minutes here, uh, Brad. So let's move on to number four, which is if the con-con fails, there could be some consequences that we hadn't considered. And I'll be honest, I hadn't considered this until you sent me the list, and I was like, hmm, yeah. So if the ConCon fails, people could just say, well, see, the people don't care about the PFD because they didn't vote for it.
2: There was a shot, yeah, exactly. There was a Sean Dugan article in the in the ADN that I was reading, and the, and the article basically was the reason for ConCon, the pe- reason you know people are giving and pushing for ConCon, people say the reason people say they're going to vote for ConCon is because of the PFD to get the PFD straightened out. Well, OK, so what happens if the PFD, what what happens if CONCON Con doesn't win? And the reason that we were supposed to have CONCON, Con, reason that people were pushing for CONCON Con was because uh, because of the PFD and CONCON and Con doesn't win. Will, the next Sean Dugan article will be, well, people don't care about the PFD because if they would have cared about the PFD, they would have voted, would have voted for CONCON. Voted Con, and so it must be that they don't care about PFD. That was next to another, to an article also where somebody was, talking to Kathy Giesel or interviewing Kathy Giesel and Kathy was saying, well, you know, the PFD used to be important, but when I go to doors anymore, it's not that important. And so, you know, I'm I'm not really believing that the PFD is an issue I need to, I need to be concerned about. I don't believe that's true. Uh, but, but nevertheless, that's what she's saying. And I think, I think we're, we're, we're seeing the beginning of a setup here when people talking about ConCon being all about the PFD, I think we're seeing the beginning of a setup that after if ConCon fails after uh, the election people are going to be saying well PFd is not important ConCon didn't pass um uh, Giesel got reelected or Geisel got elected I don't know how the hell you describe that but Geisel got elected um and uh, and so yeah PFd doesn't matter anymore let's let's go let's go keep cutting it
3: yeah, and I, and I think that's definitely the danger, that all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, we can't, uh, you know uh, – no. I mean the PFD – and I, I look, Brad, I think she might be right in a way that the PFD issue has been pushed down a little bit for voters' attention because we've got inflation and we've got the budgets and the economy and all those things. And I think that they're just like oh, – they're throwing their hands up sometimes because they can't they're not seeing the PFT change and they feel a little downtrodden about it. We got a minute here. Um, it doesn't mean that it's not still on their minds. It just means
2: that inflation is edged that thing out because they're facing that daily, yeah, exactly right. but I, for 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 me, Michael, I think you know I'm not decided how I'm going to vote on concon to be to be quite honest. I think there's pros and there's cons, and I haven't finally sorted them all out to uh, all out in my mind but but if i vote against concon Con, it's not going to be because i don't care about the pfd anymore i care about the p- pfd just as much now as i did then there are other reasons to be voting against concon Con other than the pfd and i don't and i and, and i and i'm concerned about people who are p- pitching the whole thing on the pfd and saying you know if you believe in the pfd you've got to vote for concon because Con. i i just don't i don't think that's right Brad Keithley,
3: Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, thanks for coming on board and joining us today. We appreciate you being part
2: of the show. Michael, as always, thanks for having
3: me. folks. We got more coming up. Brendan Carpenter up next. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common Sense Radio. All right, Brad, I want to give you, you got to we got to finish we got to finish that up because uh, you know I think that's the thing. Uh, just because it, it's it's I don't know what you would call it. It's 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 not. Uh, um, man coffee this morning causation it's not causality right it's not correlation is causation just because you vote for one or didn't vote for one doesn't mean anything on the other side it just means there may have been a different priority at the you know in the moment so to speak uh, than anything
2: else that's what we're talking about here well in CONCON, the constitutional convention is a very complex issue there, there's a lot of moving parts in there there's a lot of reasons to be for it a lot of reasons to be against it the pfd isn't the sole issue it's not like we have on the ballot do should we have should we pay the statutory PFD? Now, if we had that, I would agree that election is about the PFD. Some people are trying to turn the Konkon vote into that because they then want to use the results. If if Konkon goes down, they then want to use the results to undermine the PFD. I, I, my point is that's not what the Konkon vote is. It's not. It's not a, a synonym for should we pay the statutory pfd. Right. And 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 as I say, I think Sean, Sean's article, I don't think Sean's doing it, but I think Sean's article sort of sets that up. Giesel probably is doing it. Um, and 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 I and I think it's 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 a mis misinter- an intentional misinterpretation of the CONCON vote that people are trying to set up so they can spin it uh, that way uh, after the election's over. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Brad, final thoughts here as we come down into this. I mean, you'll be with us on Election Day, but final thoughts for folks who may be going early to the polls, any exhortations or advice for people who are going into the booths here and trying
2: to make these decisions? Yep. First off, uh, you're exactly right. Uh, Don't bullet vote uh, where you've got choices, uh, uh, a number of conservative uh, choices rank those choices don't uh bullet vote or it's going to come back to haunt us uh, as you were describing the first second segment. segment second is look for true fiscal conservatives conservative fiscal conservatives that that believe in fiscal structure as much as they believe uh, structures that allow you to rein in spending that allow you to hold back revenues as as much as they believe as much as they say they believe um in restraining spending structure is as important uh, as, uh, as as words um, uh, in this case. so especially in the Doug Massey race, don't don't take Doug Massey's claim that he's a fiscal con- strong fiscal conservative at face value because he's not. When you strip off that veneer and you see what he's doing with the PFD, he's in favor of of opening up a whole nother pot of worms in ter- or pot of, a can uh, of worms in terms of uh, additional revenues. Uh, as much as Les Guerra, as much as Matt Clayman, as much as uh, Zach Fields. Right, exactly. Well, again, you want to know about people, just look at who's
3: supporting them, and that'll make uh, that'll make all the difference when it's all said and done. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, and I'm surprised you're still. I'm surprised you still are undecided on the CONCON. I'll say that uh, because I mean, I was early on, I was against it, but I've come to realize that there's a cost. To doing nothing, just as much
2: as there's a cost to doing something. Here's my concern. My concern is it takes the pressure off resolving the PFD. That that we then say, oh, the PFD is going to be resolved in the CONCON. We go two years continuing to talk about the PFD's issues off in the CONCON. We don't have to worry about it now. Then we have the CONCON. Then we, you know, if anything comes out, then we have to vote on it. May get voted down because of all the stuff that's been put in it. And we're five years down the road, and we still haven't focused on the PFD because we've kept putting it off, waiting on the CONCON to resolve it. I um, That's thats sort of my fundamental concern. Are we really going to get anything uh, other than additional delay out of uh, out of the CONCON?
3: Right. All right, Brad. Well, thank you so much for coming on board. As always, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for being part of it today.
2: Michael, as always, thanks for having me.
3: All right. Uh, Brad Keith, Lee Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Our guest Um, I see Brendan still here in the uh, green room, but with no picture. So let me go over there real quick and see if, Brendan, are you there? Can I hear you? Can you hear me? The answer looks like that's a big old no on any of that. Looks like Brendan is having tech issues this morning. So, uh, Brendan, if you're listening, I'm going to go ahead and uh, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, give you a call. We're going to do that. uh, We're going to do this the old fashioned way. How about that? We'll do this the old-fashioned way, and uh, that'll be with uh, with the phone call. With a phone call, so let me dial up and get Brendan on the phone real quick, and uh, we'll see if we can uh, get him uh, squared away. How about that? Cash me outside. How about that? All right, Brendan, uh, phone's ringing right now. Ready to uh, to take your call and see what you have to say. Um. We'll see what we can come up with. Um, <laughs> Bill says, so you're saying we're fighting a losing battle, Brad. Hmm. Maybe a little bit of that. Um, I really couldn't make it to the phone. Sorry about, that. um, I don't know. Brendan is in the chat room. Brendan, if you can hear me, <laughs> Brendan, Brendan, if you can hear me, answer your phone. Okay. We'll just, we'll do, we'll do it that way. Um, uh, uh call on the phone. Okay. We'll try that. In fact, I'm just gonna kick him from the room. There we go. Kick him from the studio. We'll try that again. Uh all right. Uh folks, like and share this show. Like and follow the show page. If you could uh if you could follow everything, that would be great. Um and do all Hello, the Michael. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good. Good. I don't know
4: what the problem was. I could see you, I could hear you. Um Well, in order to get in that room, it said it had to be up. So
3: yeah, no, I don't know what the deal was, but
4: uh, probably my phone.
3: We've got. I'll take the blame. Yeah, well, (laughs) you know, it's technology. What are you going to do? All right, Brendan, we'll hold the line. We're going to be right back to you here. Don't go anywhere. I got you uh, on hold right now. We're gonna come back to you in just a hot second. The Michael Duke Show could woo. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, please like and subscribe on YouTube. I'm actually gonna clip out that little blurb this morning about ranked choice voting and put it up on YouTube as a as a short, so you guys can share that with your friends and family. I'll put it up on the Facebook page later. All right, here we go. Hour two, Common Sense Radio.
0: Fathom it. Uh, the Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Uh,
3: across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeshow.com where you'll find our audio-only stream. You'll find links to the podcast, which is available on iTunes, Google, CastBox, Stitcher, and Spotify. And, of course, links to our social media site, where we simulcast the radio show every morning. On Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, Good morning, my friends. Good morning. Uh, Thanks for coming in and joining us. Also broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. That's what we're all about here this morning. Hour two continues. Now, Tuesday, normally we're joined by Chris story at the bottom of the hour for the weekly uplift that has been moved to the final segment of the show, giving me enough room to bring on another candidate for office this morning. We're continuing our candidate interview section, and uh, we're going to be talking with Brendan Carpenter, who is a GOP house candidate in district 27. That is the, Uh, That is the House seat currently held by uh, David Eastman, and Brendan Carpenter joins us this morning to discuss his candidacy and everything that he has going on, and we welcome him to the program. Good morning, Brendan. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How about you? You know, no complaints, my friend. Every day above ground is a good day, as they say, so thanks for coming in. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Thanks All right. for having me. Well, let's get started. Let's find out a little bit about you. Uh this is your okay. f- first trip onto the show. So what uh Well, no, it's my second. Oh, is your second? I must have had you on before. Okay. I did so many candidates, Brennan, at this point. <laughs> I... the only reason <laughs> no worries. only reason I remember my own name is because it's in the logo underneath myself here. So um t- I get you. Tell us uh, tell folks a little bit about you, uh who you are, where you are, where you come from. Give us a little bit of background. Uh,
4: I was born in Anchorage. And I moved to Wasilla when I was nine years old and I've been here ever since, so I was raised in the valley, a uh, lifelong Alaskan. I graduated from Wasilla High School in 87, and joined the Marine Corps, was there for four years, came home for a little bit and um, trying to decide what I was going to do. I went to, <coughs> I left again for Bible College, Trinity Bible College in um, Ellendale, North Dakota. I uh, was there for a couple of years and uh, came back home and discovered I really liked working with youth. I have worked with the Youth of Alaska total in a bunch of different ways for about maybe 10, 15 years-ish. Started out as coaching football for the little kids. There used to be a program out here called MIFA, Mata Valley Youth Football Association, uh, coached there, moved to Anchorage for a job with a company called Assets Inc. where I worked with uh, special needs children. I think the company no longer has a child side. Uh, I continued coaching uh, with Pop Warner in Anchorage. Um, I left uh, Assets Inc. after a couple of years to the school district, uh, special needs school in Anchorage called Whaley where I worked with high-functioning autism and Asperger syndrome children. I kind of went through the school district. I eventually uh, made my way to service high school. I was security. I was... Um, I, that's when I got coaching for South High School, when they first opened up. So I was working at service and coaching at South. <laughs> that, that was... Uh, kind of special, I guess, in a way, some people, some people didn't really like that with the rivalry that was going on with those two schools. Uh, I left the school district and worked for at at the, uh, military, Alaska military youth Academy for for three or four years. And then, um, kind of off and on tried to start working for uh, myself with, uh, we spoke about this last time. Maybe you'll remember how I do epoxy. I'm resurfacing countertops, right, making right. tables, and stuff like that.
3: Yeah. That is a that is a that is a secret passion of mine that I'd love to take up one day is uh, that kind of stuff. Um, all right, we'll good. a little bit of background on you and everything else. When did you become interested in the political side of things, Brendan? I mean, you've already <laughs> you've got a you've got a candidate in there, right? There's three of you running for the seat. You're all Republicans, <laughs> yes. you know. I mean, you're all you got a candidate in there. So what?
2: Well, made... we all
4: we all say we're Republicans. We all say we're GOP. Uh, like your last uh, guest, you know, everybody says they're conservative. Um, well, I've always kind of looked at, um, politics as kind of something that I was kind of interested in, uh, for about when I was working at the Anchorage school district, when I was living in Anchorage, um, I actually got the APOC paperwork, but I didn't fill it out because Matt Clayman was my, uh, assembly person. Right. And, uh, I didn't like that. So at that time, leading up to that decision, I started going to the assembly and just watching the way it was done and the way it was run. Uh, the meetings were running stuff, and uh, there was a lot of argumentative men at that time on the <laughs> on the assembly. I can't imagine what it'd be like going in there now, a lot different. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but that sparked some kind of interest in my, uh, I don't know. It, just seemed like something that maybe I could do. It was interesting to watch, uh, the interactions and with the people and, uh, the assembly people. Yeah. When I moved back out here, uh, about 2010 ish. Uh, I don't know. I kind of, um, it's like I said, it's always been kind of a backseat interest, but, I've always been like a people person and I've never been uh, a stranger to talking to people or getting in front of groups and talking Uh, as a coach. And at the Military Youth Academy, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, uh, a lot of speaking time to groups of people, uh, different sizes of groups uh, where you're standing in front of people. You're either giving a rah-rah speech, you know, motivational speech to the team at halftime to pick them up or uh, instructional speech at the Youth Academy to teach uh, kids. You know, you're teaching them in a lot of ways, uh, life, uh, life skills, certain classes, and and I've never been afraid of that. So my whole life, a lot of people have said this is the way I was going to go. Out here, there's a lot of really good teachers uh, at the time, right? Jackie Schmidt. Uh, joel kabats uh, mr check mr Schweitzer, a couple of names um there's a you know jackie schmidt her daughter jennifer is, is a principal and another good teacher we had uh mr nellis was uh, his son jeff is also a principal out here and so they all a lot of those teachers had talked to me that you know kind of a running joke you're going to be a pastor a salesman or a politician and if <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you're all grown up and then yeah. if you're not, if you're not preaching behind the pulpit or in office and you've messed up somewhere really, right. really big. Well, what was the, know,
3: what was the final straw here, Brendan? I mean, you know, eventually my final straw yeah. that
4: i you know, a guy like me doesn't just jump in. I don't know. I, um, I just got kind of tired of what was happening in our district. Uh, a lot of changes in the district with their redistricting, but, um, uh, a lot of people kind of pushed, prodded, and uh, poked, and talked me into, and then talked me into. But you know what I mean, kind of right. Helped help me make the decision that I should suggested that that I need to uh, because of some of the things that were going on with um, with the current incumbent of the of the district. Um, right. Uh, you know, I, I believe. Uh, I, I'm 53 years old, and I look back uh, across it my life, and um, I don't know. There's two things that I think that we've lost touch with. Um, Ulysses S. Grant was considered a, a leader amongst leaders at West Point. And there's two, uh, two attributes he had, was the ability to accept without arrogance and to let it go with, uh, without irreverence, you know? To just stay mellow, I'm not. I'm not the greatest guy since sliced bread because I got the position and now I can do whatever I want and talk to people however I want and I don't. And relationships no longer matter. And the ability to look across the span and say, okay, it's time to let it go. I can move on.
3: Right, right.
4: And um, you know, how long does somebody need? You know, do you need more than than three terms? And Apparently, there's quite a few people who don't believe in term limits, and I'm gonna stay down here in June for as long as I can right. um, I disagree I think two or three terms is long enough and then you you either you know move to a different position or uh, or move on with life into something new
3: Brendan Cartland <clears throat> is our guest house district candidate uh, for 27 that's up here in the valley. Uh, the Eastman seat currently uh, right now, and uh, we're discussing his candidacy right now. Uh, Brendan, let's talk a little bit about some of the issues. Of course, uh, you know, for us on the program here, uh, fixing the PFD situation is a big deal. I think that if we fix that situation, a lot of other things would clarify. We'd have a lot better handle on things that are going on. So why don't you uh, give us your thoughts uh, on the PFD? Should Should we be paying it or... You know, what What are your, what's your overall with, thoughts? Uh,
4: PFD, like I said, I was born and raised here and, uh, I don't think there was anything wrong with the way that it was originally written, a full statutory PFD. Apparently now we have to protect it and enshrine it in the constitution, I guess. But, um, I agree with your last guest, Brad Keatley. um, like the government was never supposed to be like, well, we can't really afford it this time or, hey, this is how much we can afford. And when you have people talking about, you know, it's sustainable or as long as we can sustain it, that should give you pause um, if they really do believe in the PFD or if they just see it as something, you know, like a sunset clause is written in there somewhere and, hey, it was eventually going to end. And I don't believe that has anything to do with the original intent of the PFD. Right. Um, I think that it, I think, and I think once we make that, uh, once we get that straightened out, that'll take care of one of the ping pongs that, that seems to be being used as uh, leverage back and forth, back and forth. Uh, and that, that's one of the reasons this issue that you just brought up is one of the PFD is one of the, one of the reasons that like the straw that broke the candles back that last. Um, that last vote in the session, um, if you're in the minority, you don't get to decide how. So you vote no on a bill or a budget that comes before you. And if you're in the minority and you vote no on it, you have no idea what the majority is going to do. They might leave it the same. They might do They might not do anything to it. They might do pieces and parts of it so when you when you weigh the good and the bad, if you will, you know, looking at that budget, maybe it was a bit bigger than than what you would normally vote for as a conservative. but the fact that you're in the minority and you don't know how it's gonna go down, you look at the ability to give a full statutory p f d and what that actually means. You know, we finally get to use the word the Democrats love by saying it's precedent. So next year, No, this is a precedent it has been set. Why would we give less than the statutory now?
3: Right, right.
4: Um, And we would have gotten um, a full energy stimulus that I think everybody looking at what's going on right now, and diesel fuel, I guess, has just a few more weeks to go until we're, as a country, not going to be using that, I guess. Uh, You know, that energy stimulus might... Might have come in for a lot of folks, right? You know? Exactly, exactly. And to, and to say, to say that I voted no because it was too big of a budget—you're in the minority. That doesn't seem to hold water, especially if you're as smart as you say you are, right? Um, so you... to say because it had money for abortion in it—well, that's ridiculous. Name one that hasn't, with the way the judges work things in this right
3: so you're saying that that vote was probably one of the turnkey moments for you to decide to throw your hat in the ring that vote on yes. the, on the budget and the pfd and everything else yeah
4: exactly okay
3: uh we're going to continue here with brendan carpenter who is a candidate for house district 27 but we are up against the break so we're going to continue here in just a moment and uh, we will have further discussions with brendan and uh, uh, on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based. Free thinking radio. We'll return with more in just a moment.
4: Sorry, Mike. I'll try and make me...
3: Okay, we're in the break now. Brendan Carpenter is our guest, and uh, you were trying to say something before I muted you there, uh, 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 Brendan, because you couldn't hear it. We were doing bumper music and stuff. <laughs> what were you saying? I'm sorry, before I— so I just,
4: I said sorry. I, uh, I'll try and make my answers a bit shorter.
3: A little more concise. Okay, good. Yeah, well, let's, let's, I apologize. No,
4: that's fine. That's
3: fine. This is a whole new deal, right? So we're going to concise it all down and uh, and talk about things. Um, let's continue on the vein of the PFD because I'm going to change gears when we come back. We're going to talk a little bit about okay. education and everything. But I do want to continue for just a second. If there was going to be a change to the PFD, and that is either we're going to leave it as this kind of leftover you know, bastardization of what the formula is right now, and we're just going to do the leftover thing, or if we were going to change the formula – would you would you uh support uh an advisory vote from the people? I mean is that it, it would you s- support the idea that the people should be able to sound off on what happens with the permanent fund dividend?
4: I would. Yes, I would. Yeah. I totally agree. see I I don't I don't think that the uh, constitution the concon is is or should be all about the PFD to fix it hundred percent. It's a mechanism that the people can get to fix it through, through that, uh, through that uh, type by using the con con. Uh, my, my personal belief is that there's uh, the con con would be more for uh, the way we, the way we choose our judges and getting the, uh, the legislative session to the road system, right? Yeah, well, and then then secondarily to those two, the PFD would be a, a the like right on the the heels. The reason I say that is because if if we can get those first two changed, just that the way we pick our judges and getting the the road getting the legislative session on the road session, I think is huge because that would almost necessarily change a lot of the way people are doing things when they're so far away in Juneau, bringing them closer to home and having people, the ability to go in there and talk to them. Right. While they're in session, I think it would change quite a few things.
3: No, I mean, that's something obviously that we've advocated for on the show for quite a while in the charter of changes is changing the venue and putting that legislative session on the road system so that, you know, again, you can go into your legislator, you can pat them on the back or you can poke them in the chest. That's the, you know, the two things you can do. And And they have to look you in the eye while they're doing those things. <laughs>
4: exactly. That right there, what we're talking about, right there, the way you put that is the exact same reason why I look at any kind of politician, whether you were a former politician and trying to get back in or you want back in, how can you be against letting the people get involved and in saying vote no on this con Like, is there, does anybody realistically believe that any group of alaskans you can put more you put more than than 20 alaskans from anywhere in a room and think after a couple of days or a couple of hours they're going to walk out with a majority of vote that says we're going to take away your guns no more hunting and no more fishing
3: <laughs> right exactly like,
4: that, that does it. and the fact that that's what their like number one argument seems to be uh, how does anybody listen well, to that and say, "Yeah, no"?
3: Well, because they know, Brenda, they know that fear sells.
4: That's the whole yes, point. They that, know that. That blows my le- mind.
3: That's how we got ranked choice voting, right? Yes,
4: I agree. dark that's, money. That's, that's right. the, I mean, that's that's the other part of this. It's a you know, like I have three reasons for my friends that keep asking me why I'm such a hard yes. And number one, because Gassy Giesel says no, right? Exactly. Like that seems like the easiest <laughs> one right there. Yeah. If, number two, yeah. because the money. The amount of money, where it's coming from, seems an awful lot like ranked choice voting. So I don't want to get messed over again on that way. And number three, we the people. If living in America, and any state, how could you ever be against the people getting involved? Right, right. I, I,
3: yeah, no, I, I exactly. I, I feel 100% the same way. Um, all right, we're coming up on it here. Brendan, hold the line. Uh, Karen says, "I wish Mr. Carpenter had been on before I early voted. First time I've heard of him. He says exactly what I stand for. He was on before. Even I forgot that, but he was on before. And this is why. This is why we do candidate homework. This is why we go out and research the candidates. That's why we yep. do that. All right. Uh, we got to go. Hold the line. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
4: Well, hopefully, Karen."
3: Okay, we're back right now. Brendan Carpenter is our guest, uh, candidate for House District 27. Um, and uh, we have him back on to talk about his candidacy. We just finished up with the PFD. Some good discussions at the break. You can always go back and listen to it on the podcast if you missed it. Um, but let's go uh, Could proceed ahead here now to the next big issue. Uh, Obviously, the number one and number two items on the budget are the health and social services component and the education component. Now, Brendan, all across the candidate spectrum, all we've heard over the last few weeks now is how we must hate children because we are underfunding education. We're not taking care of it. Uh, The BSA has only gone up four and a half percent compared to inflation. And we've got to get in there. and We've got to give more money to the kids. We've got to do all those things now. You've already laid out your history and your love of working with children and being in schools and doing all that kind of stuff. So, I could safely say you probably don't hate children. But what are what is your thoughts? What is your thoughts on this uh, this idea that somehow we're just not spending enough on education? Uh, when we already spend, you know, whatever it is, two or three times the national average, what is your response to that? How do we make that more efficient and reduce our spend since we have a reduced enrollment rate in the state and are projected to for the next, you know, however many years and have consistently been on a decline in enrollment? What, wh- how do we fix this problem? What's your thoughts?
4: I, uh, my thoughts are um, because I love the kids, I want to do what's best for them. And just throwing more money at it obviously has not answered this question. For years, we've just thrown more money and more money. And where are we at with what, how much money? We pay uh, somewhere between seventeen dollars and $18,000 per student. Uh, and they, they talk about us not wanting what's best for the kids. How do you say throwing more money at it with a failed school system is helping the kids? I think we need to look at where the money goes. It seems to me that uh, school districts often tend to be uh, very top heavy, and there needs to be a mechanism in place so that the money that we give these districts, uh, I think the money should follow the student. Um, Right. It should follow the backpack. You know, and the odd thing is, is some of the meetings that I've been to, you hear like um, homeschooled students or. um, private private students they the parents still get taxed the same and that money still goes to a school that they're not using while their student is homeschooled and they get you know just a portion of what of what the school district gets so you know like 2500 or 4,500, right. whatever, they whatever get, that yeah, is. They get about,
3: <laughs> they get 80%, they get 80% of the base, 80 to 90, to, depending on what program, but 80 to 90% of the base student allocation, and that's all they get.
4: Yeah, uh, and so that, that, you've got to wonder, so you have the teachers and you have the people at the school district saying that, you know, at some point they were saying how big the school, their classroom size is, it needs to be smaller. Well, okay, obviously the classroom size is getting smaller. Why would you expect the funding to stay the same for a smaller amount of students? That when, when when a certain amount of kids leave, let's say Molly go is becoming homeschooled and so is Johnny, why would that why wouldn't that funding follow the child? Right, And because I care for these kids, that's what I would like to see. I don't care about a union. I don't care about administration. Well, I mean, I care about them, but not to the same level of what I care about the kids and wanting them to have an education so that they can be, uh, you know, get a job, uh, get a great job, get a career. When we're graduating with kids that, you know, can't read and can't do math, those are the two big ones.
3: Uh, Ben, uh, Brendan Carpenter is our guest House District 27 candidate. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a huge deal. I mean, we've talked about consolidating things like, you know, we've got 53 school districts. Each one has their own. You you mentioned overhead and you're 100 percent right. I mean, when we've only got 45 percent or just under 50 percent of the dollars actually reaching the classroom and we have declining enrollment and we have increasing uh we have increasing um uh, uh overheads and increasing administration that shows a problem i mean when the yes. when, when the when the hockey stick you know when the the graph shows the decline in enrollment and the increase in administration somewhere our priorities are are skewed right
4: yeah, very much so like um at this moment they're talking about how much more money they need when Anchorage School District is telling us they have a $68 million shortage? Right. That's not something that happened yesterday. Like, how long has it? You're the educated... You're the educators. So you would think that you'd be educated. How, how many years? What, what have you done to suddenly just say, oh, hey, we're $68 shy," and And you need to pay more Cause you don't care about the kids. Right. Seems to me that you don't care about the kids because you didn't do what's right with $68 million. Like, right. where did that even go?
3: Right. No, I mean,
4: I think that's a viable uh, <laughs> but, alternative. Uh, you we, know, you're sitting at the kitchen table and the husband right. comes home and says, Hey, we're, uh, we're $3,000 short this month. Well, how did we do that? Yeah, how did You we, know, you're going to pick out and find and tell exactly how this happened. Instead of finding another, before you find another source. Well, I gamble uh, on uh, every Friday night. Well, evidently, you're not very good at that, so you need to
3: stop. Right, exactly. Um, We talked about consolidations, again, the multiple school districts with multiple duplications of efforts. I mean, each one has an administration and overhead and everything else. Should we be talking about consolidating school districts? Uh, You know, Um, should we be talking about pooling the insurance? What should we be talking about?
4: I think that we should be talking about everything why why would anything be a no-no to talk about when you have a school district that's 68 million behind shortfall and virtually every district is asking for more money and we're at this point where i think we rank what 50 or 53 or right you know, at anywhere. You know, like the bo- we're looking up to see the bottom of the barrel. Right. In other words, 49th and fiftieth, right? Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. think, I think so,
3: we I think we went up one spot during the pandemic at forty eighth or something.
4: Yeah. So so how how do you look around and say nope, we can't talk about everything. Should be everything should be on the table to see what what we need to do. And I honestly believe that um, that there are some things that necessarily make us a lot different than most states. Part of that is the distance between schools. You know, like um, in some places you could drive like five blocks and there's another school, you know what I mean? Right. Here, you know, <laughs>
3: you're,
4: yeah, it's like you, you jaywalk in Alaska because who knows how long you're going to find the next intersection on the park or the glen, right? Right. <laughs> you, you know, so just the sheer vastness of the state uh you know and then um you look at you know you look look at what we're headed to um this recession that we're not in and and it's inflation is what do they call it transitory transitory yeah it's transitory then then it's then it's putin's fault it's trump's fault and it's putin's fault again and then it's this other thing not being able to recognize and actually do something about it is going to cause it to be, in my opinion, probably a little worse than what it could have been.
3: <laughs> let's uh, um, <clears throat> let's get back on the rail. Let's get back on the rails here a little bit. Okay.
4: Here. I, I, what i was saying is, like when you when you look at Alaska and where we're at with our education system in this recession, the costs are definitely going to go up. Yeah. And now we're looking at the barges and the trucking is going to stop because we're out of diesel. So how do we, any goods get up here?
3: Right. Well, definitely. I mean, we need to be thinking with our crisis hats on and thinking about how we're going to deal with all those things. Uh, But let's let's move on to, uh, you know, health and social services. The governor has split those departments into two, hoping to find some efficiencies. Um, Would you be willing to take a look at this and find those efficiencies? Do we need every optional Medicaid program? Should we be looking at uh, efficiencies in the system? Should we be looking for fraud? Should we be you know, should we be analyzing all those things?
4: I think we should. Yeah, I think um, I think we need to start going through everything and seeing what's what's going on. Yeah. Uh, do 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 people want to do that? Uh, you know, a lot of what we're talking about, it comes down to why I ran relationships matter. The skills that are required to make a relationship and to work together as a team. That doesn't mean that I'm for or against Democrats and think they're evil and I could never work with them ever, ever, ever. That's not what I'm saying. I think that uh I'm being voted for by a district in the Matsu, and I think the Matsu needs to send down a delegation that can work together.
3: Yeah. Instead no.
4: of having a crazy Ivan that that doesn't work as well with other people. Right. Um and going from that stance, then we have a majority. Because if we don't have a majority, what it's going to be much the same-o-same-o.
3: Right. You mentioned uh, during the break, you mentioned uh, a couple things about the charter of changes. You mentioned moving the legislative session to the road system. So that's that we, important. So that we could look our legislators in the eye. Um, yep. how, do, how do you feel about the binding caucus and the open meetings? Act and the conflict that's of interest. Yeah.
4: I think that's evil. I, I do. I, I you know to tell somebody that because you're with us, you now have to vote. To, how how do you call yourself a Republican or a conservative and believe in that? Right. Well, how do you? <laughs> that just you know like that, Can you get more woke than saying okay, now that you're in our room, you can only vote the way I say you vote? Right. Well, how, oh no. Peace out. Sorry. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Exactly. That should
4: have been flushed. Well, we're
3: coming down to the end here, uh, Brendan. So I want to give you uh, the final bite at the apple, so to speak. Uh, any thoughts that, uh, any you know, any thoughts, your closing arguments, where people find out more about you, your website, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Brendan Carpenter, candidate for House District 27 in the Valley, uh, your elevator pitch, so to speak. Uh, my elevator you, pitch. You have the floor. Go ahead.
4: Hey, um, I've lived here my whole life, and I really do believe that relationship uh, skills counts, Uh, being able to work with a team, being able to uh, work together to get a push, to get things done that the Valley needs. I believe that uh, the Valley is the fastest growing area in the state for roughly the last 30 years. So any project or anything that we can do in the Mad Sioux is necessarily going to help the rest of the state. Um, uh, The port, the um, Wasilla Airport uh, expansion. Uh, I believe the rail spur out there by the port to Houston. I think that those are all incredibly important, um, but we need the infrastructure to to have it. I think that we get enough projects out here that helps um, the safety of the highway because there's jobs out here and maybe not as many people have to uh, drive to Anchorage early morning in the commute hours. Right. Uh, you know, I, I just, I honestly believe um, and again, I think all three of us running in this uh in this race are decent human beings you know uh I just think that we have differences in the way we look at how best to get things done and I think the proof is in the pudding when you act alone all by yourself with no no uh no team You sure can make a mess of things by voting no. Um, (laughs) But where does that put us where we need to be looking forward?
3: How does it advance Um, the cause, right? I mean, how does it advance the cause?
4: Let's just just even say that there is no cause. It's just just issues, Mike. It's just, just issues. So you're out there, Don Quixote style, running through windmills, crashing every single one. I mean, is that... Is that really what we want to do is crash the system, clog it so deep with with bills and things that you've written as work orders that you don't even follow through with um, that now good legislation that has a chance of, of getting passed has to sit and linger and wait? Right. You know, at, at what point do we go, okay, enough is enough? Maybe it was good to get us to this point. But at some point, you do need to sit down. With people that you may not agree 100% with and say, you know what, getting 50 or 40 or 60 or 70% of what we wanted is not a bad deal.
3: Right. It's not an all or nothing black and white kind of thing. Exactly. Brendan, Brendan, where's your website? How do folks find out more about you?
4: Uh, Facebook page, uh, Brendan Carpenter for State House District 27, uh, on my regular Facebook page, probably. Uh, My phone number, you can call me, it's there. Uh, right. 671-3323 And uh, my email BCARP at 42, BCARP4299 At gmail.com
3: Alright Brendan Carpenter Thank you so much for being part of the show today I'll ask you to Thanks, hold, on, hold on for just a second Don't go anywhere Folks we got more uh, coming up Chris Story going to give us our weekly Uplift here in just a moment The Michael Duke Show continues Common Sense Liberty Base Free Thinking Radio Sorry, I just saw a comment that pretty much wins the internet for today. Willie Keppel says, Harold, use creamer, not alcohol in your coffee. Um, all right, Brendan uh, <laughs> Bre- Brendan Carpenter is uh, our guest. Uh, Brendan, this is truly the final bite at the apple. Uh, anything, okay. that I, anything that I didn't cover or an issue that you want to dive deeper into here, I've got two minutes for you to be able to sound off on this, and I want you to be able to have your say. So anything we didn't cover or something you want to go deeper into, now's the time to do it.
4: Uh, You know, I think we covered it all. Um, You know, I think that there are things, obviously, the experience that that uh, Mr. Eastman has might be an issue. But there are things that I have that he obviously doesn't that can't be taught. Anything about how to work a bill, how to read a bill, what to do can be taught. What obviously cannot be taught is working with others, uh, respecting others, rolling up your sleeves and doing the hard work and understanding that in negotiations, I may not get 100% of what I want. And that doesn't mean that we burn the castle down and start all over.
3: Right. The flexibility to be able to accept uh, incremental victories instead of an all-in yes. uh, victory <laughs> I th- or defeat. You,
4: I, I think that's the way our government was intended to be, slow, a slow, arduous process that forced us to debate because we didn't want knee jerk reactions to every second, every little minute thing. And right. now you have some, you know? So, yeah, sometimes, the, you know, people will say, well, it's courageous to stand alone. Okay, so was, um, you know, Colonel Custard out there on the Little Bighorn. I guess that was right. courageous, correct? You know, right. like, at some point, we need to hone in and say, okay, realistically speaking, just standing on every single hill as a hill to, To, uh, you know, be a martyr and slay yourself and fall on your own sword, that doesn't make sense to me.
3: Well, it does if it feeds into a martyrdom complex, which I have. uh, I mean, (laughs) uh, you know, look, David, I agree with a lot of uh, his positions on things. But again, the all or nothing mentality gets us nowhere. The all-or-nothing exactly. mentality gets us nowhere. Incrementalism is how we got here. Incrementalism is how we're going to get back. I'd love to have a full free-market libertarian society. It's Amen. never never going to happen all in one fell swoop, right? Uh, exactly. It, it, so that's true. We have to take the victories where we can. We have to be realistic. And that's the difference between people who are in the theoretical realm versus the realistic realm. Realistic
4: realm. Exactly. Yep. You can't – ultimatum versus ultimatum generally – has a lot of people turning around with nothing in either pocket.
3: Well, I hope that if for some reason you don't, uh, you are not successful in this run. I hope you run again because I think your arguments are very cogent and I think that they make a lot of sense. Uh, and as you work to concise them down a little bit, they will be even more powerful. And uh, I appreciate you coming on board. Thank and, you very
4: much, Michael. And I appreciate it. the time.
3: And uh, next time we'll get you on video. We'll figure out whatever the problem is, and we'll get it fixed. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Brendan Carpenter, our guest. Thank you, Brendan, for being part of it today. We appreciate you uh, joining us. All right, <clears throat> that uh, brings us back to uh, the main uh, the main topic. We got Chris Story. He's going to be joining us in a hot second. In fact, that's him right there. Chris Story joining us this morning and getting ready for our weekly uplift. Story, my man. What's happening?
1: Good morning, Michael. Uh, just the consummate professional here, ready, willing, able.
3: Yeah, see, I see how you are. I see where you are. Um, all right. Um, what's our topic for today, there, Mister Mister Positivity Man?
1: Born to Live
3: 2.0. Born to Live 2.0. Okay, I'm I'm all about that. I am all about that. Uh, I had an epiphany yesterday, oh, day before. Let's hear it. I don't know if it was an epiphany. I think it's we've actually described, uh, talked about it. But, I, you know, sometimes you hear something and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then later mm-hmm. on, then later on, you like fold it into your life and you're like, oh, that even makes more sense, more sense, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, And I thought about, you know, cause I was stressing about some stuff and work and things like that. And then I, I thought about it because I was like, Oh man, the weekend I'm going to, uh, I was going to be relaxed. And I, of course I've, you know, I've worked like 15 days without a break and I was like, Oh, and then I thought, wait a minute, I've got to enjoy the journey because I mean, first of all, the alternative is I'm not there to enjoy it at all. Second of all, there is some positives even in the stress, even all the, the things that I learn, and and it was just one of those aha moments, you know, as you're cool. sitting there yeah, pull, yeah. pulling your hair out, and you're like, oh man, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, anyway, cool. so born to live 2.0. Sorry, I didn't mean to to steal your thunder. No, I love but, it, but um, not at all. Okay, uh, I'm gonna put you back on hold, and you're gonna you're gonna hang out there for me in the uh, thing. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like Harold says, Willie, you posting insults while being inside your government provided house is about right. And In- this is the guy who is the king of insults. Harold is the king of insults. And yet, oh, man, he he's he's he just got spanked and he didn't like it. <laughs> that's has that's called a little bit of turnabout there, my friend. Turnabout. You get to spew whatever you want to spew, and then somebody else hits you with it, and uh, it's a whole new deal. It's a whole new deal. All right, here we go. Okay, one final segment. Are you ready? Ooh, baby, I've been waiting for this. The man from Homer joins us, Chris Story, the guru of positivity, the Tony Robbins of Alaska, realtor, potter, all-around good man, and, uh, of course, uh, one of my very, very good friends, Chris Story, joins us this morning to talk about positivity and more. Today his topic is mm, Born to Live. 2.0. Good morning, my friend. That's a brilliant marketing strategy, by the way, because, of course, the name of Chris Story's book is, one of his books, is Born to Live. And so this is a great opportunity to update and remind people that it's available on Amazon or anywhere else. Good morning, sir. How are you?
1: Thank you. Yeah, Absolutely (laughs) available for a limited time. See, this is even branding better. I'm getting ready to (laughs) rebrand the book okay absolutely so so what you see today won't be available tomorrow while supplies last limited availability I really want to talk about and this I'm sneaking in the book title because it fits beautifully into my actual topic this morning Michael, which is it's never too late to rebrand ever it's never too late to rebrand you it's never too late to rebrand your life discover, a new direction, a new aim, or to reorient yourself. It's never too late. It ain't over.
3: I, I like it because uh, having rebranded myself several times over the last two decades, um, I identify with that. And sometimes it's liberating because you get to jettison a little bit of maybe some of the old stuff and some of the negativity that may be hanging around, uh, you know, what you've done or how you've worked or, you know, your your whole process in the past maybe that just wasn't working out. And you get a chance to to jettison all that and work uh, in a whole new way. And it gives you a freedom and a, and a feeling of um, I can make this right. It's It's kind of a cool deal.
1: Absolutely. I, I, You and I get to interview a lot of cool people. And, and in the process of interviewing some uh, authors over the years, I've become friends with some of them, including a guy called John David Mann. And he's a New York Times bestselling author, a whole series called The Go-Giver and lots and lots of books. And, and uh, with Brandon Webb, the Navy SEAL guy, who's written a lot of books. And anyway, he's become a friend. And I sent him my manuscript several years ago for the book called Born to Live. And I didn't hear back from him. He's a busy guy. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's really going to take time to read my manuscript. Maybe, maybe not. But I sent it anyway. And before I heard back from him, the publisher was ready to go with the title, Born to Live, the book cover, everything all set, ready to go. I hit yes, let's go. I approved everything, all the proofs we published. About three weeks later, John returns from Hawaii. He had taken my manuscript to, to Hawaii with him, and he read it on the beach, which I, I thought was a huge honor, first off. Secondly, he said, I love it. I wouldn't change a thing, except the title sucks. And he gave me another title. He goes, okay. <laughs> add a subtitle, Finding Purpose on the Road to Hope. And I was like, oh, I should have had a VA, and oh. I just waited just a little bit. And I said, you know, thank <laughs> you very much. We, we've already gone to, to print. Thank you. But we're just going to keep it the way it is and so these years later the book still sells I still get some personal emails and texts or calls from people who say you know this was such an amazing story in my life I needed this right now thank you very much all that kind of stuff but it doesn't sell well enough it's just it it, you can't really tell from the cover or the title what the book is about so I decided recently you know what I'm going to rebrand it. So we're going. I'm working with the publisher. We're coming up with a whole new cover and adding the subtitle that John gave me: "Finding Purpose on the Road to Hope." Because the reality is, in life as in books, people do judge the book by its cover. Yeah, period. Absolutely. And so, <laughs> look, maybe you've maybe you've defined your life by a failure in the past, or a victimhood, or victim mentality, or poverty mindset, or a, a mindset that's not enough, or you've been a pessimist and you really want to adopt an optimistic outlook, it's not too late. You can go back to formula, you can go back to the publisher, you can go back to press and come out anew. Even if it's a slight tweak, like I'm not changing a word in the story. The story I think is is brilliant, it's great, I said with all humility, but I'm changing just slightly, just the tack, just the cover, and, and so I guess you can go back and completely redo your life or you can say, you know what, I'm going to reorient just slightly. I'm just going to redirect a little bit and you might see big results.
3: I think that that's brilliant. I mean, I just look at back at my life and, you know, what what I rebranded in one way when I decided to not just stick with radio, but to transition also to to digital, to go out on the Internet, to broadcast the show uh, via video and, and everything else. And uh, and it changed a, a lot of the way that I I did everything on the show, and then recently, now changing over to video interviews with most everybody, except for those people who are too luddites not to do it. But uh, you know, but again, it changes everything, and and change is a constant. We've got a constant, and for me, it's like constantly trying to make things better. And sometimes that takes a you got to tear something down. You got to tear it down to rebuild the structure, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and be willing to. I think, accept some advice or a little help along the way. Maybe somebody's further down the road, further up the ladder, further down the line, whatever you want to call it, than you. And they look back and say, hey, you might want to go this direction. And if we don't listen, that's okay. We're carving our own path. Maybe that defines you. You're somebody who's unique and and stands alone. However, there are people that can offer you a helping hand along the way. And I think with your mindset, If you're willing to adopt a be, do, have mindset and and you're willing to be optimistic and then you shall do things that an optimistic person will do or would do and you'll have what it is that you want or what you think that you want and you can even reorient along the way. I think a lot of people mistake optimism with a Pollyanna head in the sand mentality and the truth of it is it isn't. It's it's not just a half glass uh, of water it's actually hydration it's actually a way of life it's actually what's in the glass that that is mattering regardless or irrespective of how full it is it's it's what do you see i see hydration i see a way of life i see i could adopt the poverty mindset just as easy as a wealth or abundance mindset it's up to me so it's up to you as well. if you want to rebrand, now's the time. Uh,
3: we've got about uh, two and a half three minutes here. So if people I mean, you're obviously rebranding your book, I've talked about rebranding the show. But how do people, you know how do we how do we analyze what we need to, you know, how we need to rebrand or what we need to you know, rejigger in our life as far as that goes?
1: I had a conversation with somebody uh, about twenty five maybe twenty eight years older than me not long ago, about four years ago. and he started to um, alliterate a few health problems he was going through. And he said, don't worry, you'll be here soon enough. And it clicked in my mind, like, wait a minute. They're absolutely right. He's absolutely right. I will be, I'm on the path right now for those symptoms to come. And I rebranded myself in that moment as somebody who has never been very athletic, Michael. I mean, I, I'm not, I rebranded myself as a runner. I said, you know what? I am going to adopt the mindset of an athlete and I'm going to start running. I have a treadmill. Right now, all it does is hold clothing, coats, winter coats, and so forth. I'm going to start using it. And I started using it slowly but surely. And I got to a point where running six miles a day was something that was regular versus irregular. Like if I had ran six miles prior to that in my life, it was because somebody was chasing me right? and in, in, I needed a clown or a bear to chase me. So it was just a, somebody, it was a pain point and somebody else triggered it in my life. So I think we can use pain points in our own life or things that we just kind of know. And as we so often talk here in the quiet moments, you know, where you want to go. Right. You know what you want to change. something's stopping you. I'm suggesting today's the day you stop letting it stop you and you start moving forward. Uh
3: I mentioned earlier in the break before we came on the air that I I had an aha moment earlier this week and and just I just shared it with you. Um and again, that was in a moment of quiet reflection. I mean, I was agitated, I was stressed, I had a lot of things going on, but I all of a sudden I was in this quiet moment and I just said, "Huh." So sometimes we need that. A little bit of distraction. You know, get all the distractions out of the way. Get that quiet moment and just be thinking about what's going on. And sometimes the clarity will just come. Final thoughts. 60 seconds here, Chris Story.
1: The final thought is the first thought. It's never too late to change your brand. It's never too late to change your cover or the story within the covers or the pages of your life. It's never too late. You're still here right up to that last breath it's yours to craft and make a life of your choosing and i suggest you choose you
3: i love the idea that you just decided that you know you've always told yourself you weren't athletic the next thing you did is you yeah. changed and rebranded and said no i'm a runner you hadn't yep. got there yet but you started and that kind of mindset changes what we need every one of us at some time in our life chris story the man from homer thank you so much for coming on board i love homeralaska.com have a good day today okay my friend
1: you too, Michael.
3: You'll hear him at 1 p.m. today on the stations in Soldatna Homer. Good morning. We'll see you tomorrow. All right. I was just going to give Chris another bite, but that was it. That's it. We're up against it. We're done. All right, my friends. Well, okay. That's it for today. And uh, I appreciate everything this going on man Harold is just salty when he got spanked now he's calling me out and don't run without a doctor's slip okay it must be tough to be so bitter that's all I'm saying it must be tough to be just so bitter and so contrary at every aspect I can't imagine how unhappy that must make you alright uh, we gotta go um, you may need a new coffee brand says Jill hey you know what We're going to get that Beard Curler coffee up on the website here in the next few weeks. You'll be able to have that. How about that? All right, my friends, we got to go. We will see you tomorrow, our guests, Jim Matherly and Nick Begich. Have a great day, my friends. We will see you then.